Hello, my name is Fabian Baker. I'm the Managing Director of Kings Rose Mining. Uh, we trade on the ASX, and over the past two years, we've entirely overhauled the business. Uh, we sold our Weilingo gold mine in Indonesia, which leaves us sitting on approximately $36 million in cash while trading at a roughly $50 million market cap. So we're focused on creating value through discovery, which means we're building a premier portfolio of exploration projects in Scandinavia, which includes the high-grade Pennycap project uh, and more recent news that we've entered into an earn-in agreement on the Rana project in Norway uh, and been selected by BHP, the world's largest mining company, to partner on nickel exploration in the region. Fabian, uh, thank you for the introduction. Good to speak to you again. Uh, I last uh, spoke to you in late June uh, last year. So uh, over six months have gone, lots of changes in the portfolio. You know, they picked up the Norway project. Uh, you've got got some geophysical results from the, the Porsanger project up in the north of um, uh, Norway. But it's that... <laughs> <laughs> that joint venture or that 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 um the explore uh tie up with bhp that i'd like to to start with um because when when bhp announced it about four was it four months ago they said uh they were going to select uh seven companies or eight companies or i, I i'm not sure they actually gave a number but in the end they selected seven can you just talk us through that process how you decided to apply and what they looked for in you yes sure um well, we saw we saw this concept um, announced, and we thought it l looked really interesting. So we put forward a concept that was uh, an, an earlier stage regional exploration concept in Scandinavia for nickel. Um, and incredibly, they moved very quickly through a series of interview stages, uh, from the technical to sort of business uh, uh, understanding our business in depth. It, it, it resulted in an in-person interview in Houston before Christmas. And yes, uh, early in this new year, we were pleased to be selected out of uh, many hundreds of applicants um, as just part of seven, uh, being the first cohort of the Explore program. And what was in the portfolio? Was Rana in the portfolio at that time? Or was that just a kind of discussion? Was that a, it was on the cards, but not completed? That's right. It was uh, something we we're working on, but not completed. But, but in fact, the Explore program doesn't relate to, to Rana or our other uh, named asset, Pennycat. Um, or Paul Sanger, it, it's essentially a more regional district scale uh, approach that, that, that we've been working on. Uh, two key mineral belts, in, one in Norway, one in Finland, where we, we believe there's uh, fantastic potential for, for new discoveries of nickel deposits. So we've ring-fenced those areas, and that's, that's what the focus of the Explore program is. So it didn't matter that they, they, weren't, they weren't looking at a particular asset, they were just looking for your focus and your ability to execute in a chosen region exactly you know we we've gone about this change in strategy from from mining gold in indonesia to this this critical metals focus in scandinavia and as a part of that we've done really extensive uh work to understand the different mineral belts in scandinavia understand how they form geologically where we see the most potential and 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 that process we we demonstrated to them how we how we've worked through a systematic mineral systems approach um, to get to this point of highlighting a couple of really, really interesting areas. Uh, and so 
they they see that we're a long way down the 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 knowledge curve on that we've we've already got an established team in the area and and we're essentially the right group to execute on that strategy so it's something that they'd like to be involved in and when he went to houston for that in-person interview who did you go with was it was it was it just you uh no so the general concept is you you have one person more from the commercial side so despite being a geologist i'm i'm the md and then we brought uh, our, our technical lead. So uh, that's Andrew Tunningley, our head of exploration. I've worked with Andrew. He's, he's a great guy. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and um, I, you've also just, I, I saw on your LinkedIn um, profile or on your Twitter feed, I saw some photographs that you've, you've actually just been on a residential uh, uh, kind of work um, shop with the other Explore candidates. That must have been quite an experience having the other seven teams and I mean, talk me through what happened. How long was it? You know, what was the format? Sure. Um, so essentially, we, we this is called boot camp and it was the kickoff of the program. Um, this is the first time it's ever been run. It's a really pioneering concept for a, for a major. Um, so the seven companies uh, arrived in Toronto. It was a full week where we were essentially introduced to um, BHP's A-team uh, in various aspects of the business and, and also to, to key consultants that they brought in on, on other areas. So we went through everything from understanding sort of business strategy, uh, a mineral systems framework that is a, a proprietary system that BHP has been developing in terms of how they approach exploration. Um, through to what, 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 what was termed operational readiness, but it includes everything from, from your, your operational planning and, and sustainability considerations. Um, so it was an intensive week. Uh, it, was a, it was a great experience, a, a case of work hard, play hard, uh, and getting to know the, local, the, the other cohort. Um, but we learned a huge amount. But I think most importantly, it, it made it clear that this is more than just a financial transaction for BHP. In terms of the transaction, they've taken a very light touch. They've advanced us half a million US dollars, and they have no equity in King's Rose or any of our projects. Um, they have other rights of first refusal and, and, a, and a period of exclusivity uh, while we work on, on this for a, a, a few months. Um, but essentially, this is about collaboration. It's about mutual learning and, and building the, the foundations for a, a much larger partnership that, that may result. It's funny, I've, I've just been... Um, I, I do a series of um, uh, kind of lectures for for Crux Investor, and I'm, I'm, I've, I've just written one on mineral systems, the mineral systems framework, and also on the re relationship between junior and major exploration and how the the different size units go about their exploration. And there are benefits for a junior company. You know, junior companies make more discoveries. They've got more operational flexibility. They've got less onerous. Um, kind of uh, health and safety guidelines, which are often in a big company, driven by a mindset mentality and then don't really work in the exploration environment. And yet the major has got the the capacity, it's got the the balance sheet to do large-scale work, to do, you know, what you really want is the best of both worlds combining. And I, I, funnily enough, I, I wrote that chapter just before the kind of the explore um, kind of culmination. <clears throat> but I can see that, synthesis now is actually taking the best of both bits uh, absolutely so what has surprised everybody is how quickly bhp has moved in this explore program it's very unlike uh, a major mining company and and that's because um well led led by uh, a lady sonia 
um, who, who heads up the Explore program. This, this is sort of a, almost a, uh, an autonomous unit within BHP that's got a mandate to act more nimbly and, 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 and find that balance between a junior and a major mentality. And there's no right, one right way of doing these things. Um, but what was really refreshing to see was, um, for example, meeting BHP's uh, chief development officer who explained, you know, they, they know they've got some great uh, IP and, and expertise, but at the same time, there's real value in going outside of that, getting, getting different ideas, different opinions, different ways of operating and, and seeing how that can, can work with, with, a, with a major like BHP. So really, really, uh, you know, a credit to them for, for coming up with this concept and, and making it happen. I think you're going to see uh, other companies, other majors following. You know, it's kind of like a, it's a exploration special forces kind of unit. So it's kind of go out there. Here's a chunk of money. But actually, as you said, it's not a, it's not so much money it's it's not a big financial investment for them it's more a conceptual leap which is um absolutely and and look we've we've got essentially unfettered access to any department within bhp uh that we feel can advance what we're doing so essentially it gives us these huge sort of uh huge resources that we can lean on to to fast track and accelerate what we're doing and do it to the best standard but but you're right other other do other majors uh are certainly paying attention and we, we've had quite a few uh, questions around how does this work um, it, it must have felt like going back to university in a sense it must have gone into that hothouse of kind of geological thinking as well and just just i know there are other aspects to what you did at, boot, at that boot camp but on a pure geological level it must have been really exciting hearing what the other seven teams were thinking about but also and and the experts within bhp absolutely um the real benefit of this week as you know one of the benefits was the chance to take that step back. Um, we're so busy, focused on driving forwards our, our businesses and our, and our exploration concepts that it's actually really valuable to step back and think holistically, you know, what is our strategy here? And, and then the same from a technical point of view, understand the, the, the deposits that we're exploring for uh, right from source, uh, through to preservation um, and, and everything in between that's required to form an economic mineral deposit. And, and then, yes, to, to see other projects uh, that the cohort, the other cohort hold, understand how they view them. It's, it's just a great opportunity to trade ideas and, and learn a lot. OK, so let's hear that strategy then. You know, what, what, uh, you know having stepped back and looked at what you're doing in Scandinavia, what's, the, what's the, the synthesized or the summarized strategy? Well, you're putting me on the spot here and uh, you know, we're, we're refining it, but essentially we're, we're, we're seeing that Scandinavia has enormous geological potential um, and we can play to our strengths, which is the, the knowledge that we've developed in the team in country and also our significant cash position um, to take on opportunities that have been overlooked or, or, or are considered at sometimes a bit early stage and, and drive those forwards uh, through to discovery. Um, so, so we see a strategy of doubling down on, on the Scandinavian region with a focus primarily on, on nickel copper sulfides. We, we have Pennycat, which is a fantastic PGE deposit, but it's very unusual and there aren't, as we know, any more like that. So aside from Pennycat, it's a focus on nickel copper sulfide exploration. Um, and within Scandinavia, you've also got fantastic infrastructure benefits. So there's the opportunity to build more than just a single asset play, uh, a, a regional concept that can tie in multiple 
uh, assets that, that benefit each other, uh, that can lean on, on common infrastructure um, to create something of a scale that a major mining company is looking for. And, and that, that, that was another part of the program that was really helpful to understand what are these companies looking for. Um, and at the end of the day, as a junior exploration company, one of our key customers, if you like, are the major mining companies. So it's really insightful to get an understanding of what they're looking for. So we're looking at a, a, at a basin play, as they call it. Before we get on to what they're looking for, I mean, we, 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 I will go there. But um, in terms of what you've just described as kind of um, Scandinavian nickel, nickel, nickel copper sulfide, an exploration plus Pennicat, which is the kind of the, uh, the anomaly. Effectively, that is a multi-deposit exploration. So it's almost like a project generator, but because you've got the cash, you can take them on yourselves. You're not necessarily vending them out. You've got um, you've got three at the moment, which are, have got, well, I mean, the, your, your RANA discovery, we can go into that, but it looks as if there are kind of a couple of prospects there. Similarly, your poor Sango has got a couple of prospects. So, and, and indeed, Pennycat. So you've got these kind of three project areas, and you're effectively saying you're going to build up a portfolio of exploration assets that you can do the classic, define an envelope of mineralization, then de-risk it. it exactly. Um, we're certainly not going down the route of a prospect generator, which is the, typically doing the very early stage work and then, you know, before really drilling, um, looking for a partner. No, we, we want to own our, our concepts and our, and our discoveries. Um, but realistically, exploration is a high-risk business. Um, and I think it would be... Uh, only rational to see that um, being a one-trick pony, a, a one-project company, um, unless it's particularly advanced and, and, and really demonstrating uh, that, that high level of confidence, you, you know, it makes sense to have uh, a refined, carefully curated, but broader portfolio of, 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 of assets. So, so that's what we're looking to do, and we've got the cash position to be able to do it. Um, there's synergies by having them all in the same region. Um, and, and we think that gives us the chance of, uh, you know, at least one of them being successful, but, but we hope multiple successes in the region. And, and I think to go on from that, this, this also plays into what does a modern exploration company need to look like to get social license, to get support from a government. Um, we are going into this region for the long term, and that means we can make genuine commitments to our communities, to the government, and, and build up a common understanding of, of what is exploration. Uh, it is high risk. We have to test lots of ideas. Um, if one fails, that's okay. We'll move on to the next one. And so that way we can build up a much more honest, uh, genuine business that, that, that can build that, that support for the long term and we think has a much greater chance of exploration success. You've still got to manage the local expectations, though. You've got, you, when you go in to do exploration uh, work, whether it's prospecting or trenching or, or, or drilling, it has to, that communication has to be with the local people. That It may not, you know, we're going to be results-driven. We're starting small. We'd love to be here for the long term, but it's, you, you know, that, that on a very local level, there's still, still that, that short-term risk. Absolutely, and... It, it varies between different regions, um, levels of excitement and support from the government or, or levels of, uh, of, of concern, perhaps, from, 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 from the local communities. Uh, they, it's only natural to jump to the conclusion of well, when's there going to be a mine here and what's that going to mean? So, yes, we have to manage those expectations. Um, but again, actually, uh, by being honest about that, that, that we're, we're working through multiple assets throughout Scandinavia. Um, we're not quite sure where it's going to be successful, but, you know, in the meantime, we're going to work 
correctly and closely with you, um, it, you know, we think it's the right way to do um, this. Honesty is, is, is often the best way. Um, but let's go back to the um, BHP. You said that it's good to understand what the majors are looking for. You know, they are ultimately the 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 logical customer for the product of junior exploration. Um, <clears throat> and you also mentioned the word basin play and a portfolio. So can you just kind of talk a little bit about those three elements? Sure. A company like BHP and, and, and a host of the other majors for a an opportunity to move the needle uh, financially, um, it really needs to be very, very significant. And there's quite few single ore deposits that, that would fit that bill globally. Um, and, and particularly from a nickel point of view, nickel in, in a perhaps similar way to certain VMS plays and so on, there, there's only a handful globally that are really enormous, but you do get camps of them. Um, and, and that's where uh, that's, that's where we need to be pitching our work. Um, essentially, finding one is great. Then you, you develop that IP, that, that, that intellectual property um, on how to find more of those. But it means you also need to own more of that mineral belt um, so that there is that potential to grow. Uh, that gives you multi-decade, multi-generation mine life, um, the scale that can, that can justify developing downstream uh, processing technologies locally and so that you can, you can be involved in, 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 a, in, a, in a larger sort of part of the, the, uh, the, the value chain um, and, and ultimately develop a, a more resilient and profitable business. So for, 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 for a major mining company, one, one, one discovery is great. But, but they're looking, well, what next and how does that inform the next one? And, and that often drives them to exploring in really wacky sort of out, out the way ideas because, because it, 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 at least they've got space around them to find, find a, a large district. So were you saying that they will choose an area because there's less competition in it, but it's got camp scale potential? Exactly. Yes, we see that commonly. Um, but I think from my point of view, what I my, my view anyway, and what I'm trying to introduce is that we there is that potential. There are parts of uh, Finland and Norway which are, are not that well staked and have huge potential. But at the same time, as the old saying goes, the best best place to find a new mine is in the head frame of an old mine. Um, there is that scope for a major company to roll up multiple opportunities into one. And so I think uh, a balanced approach, at least, is what we're presenting, where you've got that empirical evidence of, of historical mining, uh, but then also lots of scope to, to move into more regional exploration ideas. Really fascinating. Um, <clears throat> now, let's just at the um kind of execution level, what's the plan for 2023? You know, where's the money going? Um, when we last spoke, I, I was very much under the impression that permits in uh, Pennycat were going to be a, a, a delay on the exploration activities there. Uh, I wonder how that's resolved and what the, uh, let, let, I'll, I'll repeat, you know, what's the plan for 2023? Sure. As it stands today, we have uh, the key projects of Pennycat in Finland, uh, now uh, we've taken on uh, Rona in Norway, uh, which is the nickel asset that we've just announced. Um, and then the Porsanger project in northern Norway is actually a northern extension of one of the areas that we're looking to explore in, in, in collaboration with BHP. So we've got, uh, working backwards, we've got a pot of money from BHP to do the early work um, on this regional concept. We've 
we've assigned um, a, a part of our team to be focused on, on that. Um, and we're also bringing in lots of local expertise. We're looking at working with the Norwegian Geological Survey uh, and, and some, some, some universities who are doing PhDs on understanding those mineral belts to, to bring all of that knowledge together and uh, essentially build a, uh, uh, the, the, the highest quality understanding of, of, of where to go and explore in those regional areas. So that's, I, that's not so, particularly expensive. Uh, go ahead. And, sorry, would you have so so that's on area that you don't hold yet you know what happens on the new ground would you stake it with bhp if you do yeah, so ground? That, that, that's right um the, the, some of the ground we hold some of the areas uh are, are currently open um but uh what we would do is uh, is essentially all, the result is to identify key targets that we will stake and those will be staked by king's rose entirely as king's rose and actually it's only by mutual agreement if any um partnership continues with BHP and, and they might earn any interest in, in, in those. Uh, for the time being, King's Rose has the right to go this alone. Um, so so we've, got, we've got that concept. Um, at Pennycat, uh, this is our exceptionally high grade and potentially very large uh, Platinum Group Elements project in Finland. Um, we've got all the benefit of this historical data that, that we announced uh, a JORC compliant expiration target on which, which, which shows up to 7 million ounces potential of high-grade PGEs. Um, the, the, the challenge at the moment for us there is getting our drilling permits. Uh, we've been working hard on this uh, as a team and with the local government, and we're very confident that this will be successful. I was in Finland two weeks ago, um, sitting down with the environmental authorities um, on this process. Um, the, the message is you will get these. Um, but there is a process, and that process does take some time because it involves surveys of, of certain species and plants, understanding what the potential impacts of, of drilling and operating in the area could be on those. Um, and there were a couple of uh, surveys that have been requested recently, um, such as certain mating displays of a bird, a capricale, um, and understanding uh, the impacts of work on certain birds of prey, just in case it means we need to adjust where and when we work at, at certain times of year in the future. So those, those surveys are happen, happening um, through this spring. Um, I'll, we'll be making an update to our, our applications, and then that'll, that'll kick us into the processing of those applications, um, which itself uh, is a roughly six to 12 months process. Oof. So, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it is quite laborious. Uh, and, you know, we're doing all we can. We've actually had, a, you know, a very um, positive commitment from the mines department that they will, they will uh, advance ours in the shortest time, time frame possible, which is four months. However, the environmental de um, departments, they have up to about six months uh, to, 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 to bring in a, a decision before it passes on to the mines department. So, so, so um, the spring survey completed yep. probably late May, early June. Then uh, you April, kind of... late April, early May. Yep, yep. Okay, late April, early May. Then you write the report. Then you submit that probably sometime in May, June, and then it's months after yep. that so, at some stage. So um, exactly. So the report's almost written. It's, it's inserting this last survey. It's a very extensive report. We've done a huge number of surveys over the last couple of years. Um, that, uh, yes, will get submitted during May. And then, and then the environmental department um, first signs off before it moves on to uh, the mines department. Now, 
They've been in the loop on this pro on this work um, over the past year um, and saw a first draft actually in, in August last year. Um, and so they are at the point where they've given us uh, they, they've understood what we've done. They've, they've, they've essentially now told us, well, you know, where would they like to see more detail, um, which we hope and believe that means the rest is of sufficient quality and it's just filling in those gaps that they've asked for, which is all very achievable, but, but there is that time frame involved. And let's say, in a, let's say we're sitting down here in a year's time. You've got your permit. Um, what does that give you? Is that freedom to drill continuously or is it just for a certain number of drill pads and a certain number of holes and kind of phase one drilling? And would you have to go through the entire same process again for the for the next drill hole? Well, what it does is it, it gives you the the right to drill. It gives you all land access rights and everything you need to drill. Um, we are permitting a huge number, almost 400 drill pads, um, and also from which we can drill multiple holes at different angles. So we believe that's enough drill holes or drill pad locations to drill the entire deposit to an indicated uh, and in places better um, resource category. So there won't be any need to go back to this process for, for many years to come. And where there may be areas that we'd like to update our, our, our approvals, um, that, that, that process can be happening in parallel with our, with our ongoing exploration. So once we get those through, we should be in a position where we can keep moving things forwards. Um, the, the only key point to mention that, that I think I've explained before is that in, in Finland, there's, it's becoming in these areas uh, more of a standard that drilling is, is restricted to the, the, the snow-covered months, which essentially is from early December through to uh, late April, early May. Um, so we're looking at being able to bring at least two or three rigs onto the project. We know where the ore body is, it outcrops. And because of the continuous nature of the deposit, we can drill quite wide space drilling uh, to very quickly define a large a large deposit. Good. Is, 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 you say that standard practice. Is, is that, um, I, would, well, I was expecting to hear that you wouldn't drill in the shoulder seasons or the kind of the mating seasons, but is, is there no, is it now standard practice not to drill in the summer as well? Well, that, this, this is... Um, within what's called a Natura 2000 area. So okay. about uh, about a fifth of the EU is, is covered in a Natura 2000 site. And it's not, a, it's not a national park. Development is permitted in these areas. It just requires this higher level of environmental stewardship. So, so no, outside of that, there, there is the potential to drill in the summer as well. Um, but within Natura areas, such as Anglo-American are dealing with on their um, Sakati deposit, the nickel copper discovery also in Finland. And, uh, for example, Mawson, uh, Mawson Gold um, have a gold deposit in Finland. They're, they're, they're constrained by these same constraints as we would be. Okay, but again, gotcha. just, just to reiterate, we, we have the, the benefit of knowing where the ore body is. So rather than having to go back and re-permit um, once we get more information from, from phase one drilling, we know where it is and we can, we can move it forward quickly once we get these approvals. And the, 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 the budget requirements this year are relatively small, I should imagine, for that process. It's, it's, it's not a uh, highly intensive activity phase or phase of activity. That's right. Um, it's a couple of hundred thousand dollars just to, to, to finish all the various surveys, writing the reports and uh, making those submissions. Um, once we get into exploration, obviously things will pick up and we'll be looking to, to advance um, drilling and exploration very quickly. Um, but but we've, we've, we've made a plan where we can look out uh, two and a half, three years and essentially drill over two seasons to get ourselves to a maiden resource and a scoping study um, along with advancing our other assets before requiring uh, additional capital. I 
received loud and clear, loud and clear, no capital raise for a couple of years. Um, exactly. <clears throat> um, then um, you mentioned that the the work up in Porsanga is going to be funded by the regional work is going to, is funded by that half million dollars from from BHP. Are you going to be drilling the? You put out a release in October saying that you'd picked up these big EM uh, electromagnetic. Um, conductors are you going to be drilling that uh this year or is that a uh, also a kind of a permitting uh question well uh yes we we intend to drill it um so so we did a survey over two areas one in particular which is called the karen haugen target um returned a, a really uh, strong um electromagnetic anomaly and and perfectly down dip of the the mineralized intrusion that we see at surface so it's just where we want to see it very encouraging. Um, interestingly, a PhD student um, recently dated that, that intrusive as exactly the same age as Anglo-Americans' uh, Sakati deposit, and it's the same type of rock. Uh, now, they're a few hundred kilometers apart, but it's recognized it's all part of the same uh, mineral belt and, and uh, intrusive events. Uh, so that's really encouraging. Um, we're just finalizing the timing of that drilling, but we're expecting it to happen during, during this European summer. Um, so our, our intention is that'll be happening in July, August. And you've allocated a, a, a budget to that? That's right. It's quite a simple one to test, um, if I'm honest. It's, it only requires roughly a thousand meters of drilling uh, in, in four or five holes. Um, and the, the budget for that will be in the region of uh, $600,000. Good. And um, that leaves uh, um, Rona. As your that's right. As your kind of new exploration um, play, what's what's the? Uh, tell us a little bit about it and the plan. Sure. Um, so this is uh, a new project for us that we announced um, in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it is on the uh, northwest coast of Norway. Uh, it was a past-producing nickel, copper, cobalt mine that operated from the late 80s to the early 2000s, um, and it's essentially a, a large ultramafic uh, and and layered intrusion. Well, so it's not a layered intrusion, but a fractionated uh, composite intrusion um, of, of various mafic and ultramafic units, which, which uh, hosted this uh, pus-producing mine. But the same units we see uh, extend over many kilometers um, with, with significant outcropping mineralization. And essentially, um, as we did our due diligence, we, 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 we understood that the, the historical geological understanding of this project we think was wrong and, 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 and misinterpreted. Um, and importantly, exploration techniques for these types of massive sulfide systems has really come on since, since when it was explored and, and mined. Um, and this particularly relies on, 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 on a different exploration model, but also a geophysics. Um, so what we have here is, uh, is, is, a, is an area where outcropping mineralization was drilled from surface um, and very quickly put into production. Um, and, and, and this is something that we see throughout Scandinavia, very much a mining mindset over an exploration mindset, at least in the past. Um, so interestingly, they got into production from surface, uh, started with a small open pit and then went underground. I mean, it was only once they were underground and, 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 and following the ore body with underground drilling that they actually intersected a really nice high grade zone along, along the base of this intrusion. So whereas they were mining sort of 0.4 to 0.5% nickel uh, in the upper portions, there's a, there's, a, there's a nice zone of one to up to 5% nickel um, along this basal contact. 
So actually, as time went on, what started with perhaps a three or four mine life, three or four years mine life, ended up being 13 years, and actually is is still open. Um, the nickel price really dived in the early 2000s, um, and uh, the the mine came to a close. Um, and that essentially gives us a huge amount of knowledge about the project, but left the whole rest of this mineral system uh, unexplored. So we can follow about eight kilometers of strike length of the same uh, host rocks that host the, 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 the past producing mine. Um, and in various locations along that, we're, we're finding outcropping high-grade massive sulfides and entirely undrilled. It's really... It's quite exceptional. Um, one of these areas is called the Ranbogen target. Uh, it's in our, our latest press release. And we've put a cross section up the hill there where there's 1.6 kilometers of uh, massive sulfides in outcrop. Now, this is a series of outcrops, not one continuous massive sulfide body, but a series of outcrops over 1.6 kilometers uh, with rock chip samples grading between 1% and 3% nickel along with associated copper and cobalt. And there's been just a handful of drill holes in one small part of that. Essentially, there's well over a kilometer of, of this system entirely undrilled. Now, based on what we know, that this deposit can form high tenor massive sulfides up to 5 or 6% nickel. We're seeing it over such an extensive area at surface. This is just such, a, such an exciting target to, to, to explore. And the two companies, you, you, you consolidated it from two companies. Uh, can you, is, is that right? Well, exactly. So the, the project was held um, by one company that itself was owned 90% by one entity and, and 10% by another. So, so essentially, we've partnered with, with those two companies, um, whereas we will be spending the money to explore the project. They'll be diluting, and we've got a route to earn 75% ownership in the project by spending 15 million Australian dollars over eight years. So we can get to 15 51% for uh, a first $3 million commitment within three years. Now, in reality, our, our work program for this year will exceed $3 million in the first year. So we're really going to move this forward quickly. And that, that last 25%, I, I, I couldn't see a kind of um, <clears throat> a buyout clause. Is that subject to you know, ongoing conversation and negotiation and perhaps a conversation sometime, some in the, in the future? That's right. Um, at that point, uh, it would be required for the other parties to contribute their share, their 25% share. We will be the manager. So we have full discretion over the exploration plans, what will be spent, how it will be explored. And so we can continue driving that forwards and make cash calls to them for their 25% share of, of the expiration costs. Now, if they don't contribute, um, we've got a first right to, 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 to pick up that shortfall and, and earn an increased interest. So, so um, depending on, on, on what those parties choose to do with their portion, uh, there's, there's every chance that we could dilute them down further. And is, is there a trigger? Do they get to 10% and it flips to a royalty or anything? Or is it just, it's just a kind of a, a straight contribute or, di or dilute? Um, essentially, uh, there, are, there are already, uh, there's a 3% in total royalty on the project, uh, three 1% royalties. So we weren't willing to, to allow any further ones. So essentially, um, if they dilute down to, I believe it's 2%, um, essentially, they, their, their shareholding is, is bought out, uh, that final 2% is bought out at a fair market price, um, and they're out of the project.
with no with no additional royalty. So great. Just, so let's just to, the news flow. Well, yeah, and I just I just sorry, uh, Merlin, but I just wanted to 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 also highlight this project is situated um, right near the town of Narvik in Norway, which is where all of Sweden's uh, iron ore is shipped from from the Karuna mine. So it's already a port shipping out over 20 million tons per annum of iron ore. Um, the the mine site, the old mine site itself, um, is still designated. Uh, as a as a as a mining zone in the in the municipal plan, so so we've got fabulous infrastructure um, and all of these uh, key points that can delay permitting already in place. So it's drill permitted today, and parts of it are already essentially permitted for mining, subject to to reapproving a new a new mining plan. Um, so we can move it forward really quickly, and and that's what we're planning to do. So so we'll 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 be starting. Although we have walk-up drill targets in a sense, given there's outcropping high grade at surface, we want to refine those through some good mapping and, and particularly geophysics. So that geophysics will be happening, happening as the snow clears through uh, April, May and in, into June. Um, we'll also be doing downhole borehem, bore, sorry, borehole EM uh, on the edges of the mine because there are drill holes on the edges of the mine. One of them had uh, 15 meters at over 2% copper um, completely not followed up on and, 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 and open for expansion. So, so, so we can do downhole EM around the edges of the mine and look for extensions of the high-grade zones within the mine. And, and, and we can start drilling those while doing a, re, a sort of a, a project-wide geophysical program to, to develop those other targets, which we're seeing outcropping at surface, but we want to, to understand more of before we, uh, before we drill. So... That'll, that'll be a, a large geophysical and exploration program leading into um, at least 5,000 meters of drilling, which we expect to commence in August. And so that drilling will continue into uh, roughly November, um, providing continuous news flow. And uh, we, we think every chance of a, of, a, of a significant new discovery. Fabian, thank you so much. That's um, really interesting. A quick question on, I've, I've always uh, got the impression that uh, drill permits in, in Norway are also slow, as well as in Finland. Um, your, that, that um, what's it called, the run, run, um, not, not, um, Ranbergen. The, Ranbergen, the one off mm -hmm. the east. Um, is, is that going to be able to be drilled this year? Are you able to kind of, um, include it within the kind of relative permits or the same suite of permits that you've got for the mine area? In fact, it's already drill permitted. That's one of the areas that the previous uh, holders um, already permitted. So, so importantly, this project is in a different um, uh, municipal or region of, of Norway. So whereas uh, Porsanger is in the north in Finnmark, um, it's a slightly different permitting process up there because um, you have to do a lot more work to, in, in, under, to, um, to, to, to include the Sami right holders. Uh, the indigenous uh, right holders, whereas um, in this part of Norway, that's less of a consideration. It's not a permitting consideration. And in fact, the previous owners managed to get uh, drill permits approved within two weeks of applying for them. So really straightforward process in, in this part of Norway. Um, we have enormous support from the local uh, municipal government. In fact, they're already renovating some of the old mine buildings on our behalf for us to use as offices. They're absolutely behind what we're doing. And, and interestingly, they have already designated this project to be part of a uh, Norwegian uh, fast track, pro critical minerals fast track process. So 
The Norwegian government recognizes the importance of developing a critical minerals extractive industry, and they are piloting a fast-track permitting process, and our project is included in that. So that, that, that gives us a very different picture, let's say, to, to Pennycat um, and, and Paul Sanger in that we, we, we've got real, really clear permitting uh, permits in place and, 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 and a quick route to getting future permits um, on the project. Thank you. That's a really useful clarification. Um, Paul Sanger, the, the, the permits for drilling the 1,000 metres in the summer, are, are you in the process of applying for those and, and will you get those permits? Yes, yeah, so we're, that, that application is, is in, it's pending. We actually sat down and met with the, the Ministry for Industry who are responsible for this um, and they're processing that. We had positive in very positive indications there um, and so hopefully we can uh, you know we can confirm that those are secured over the next uh, month or so and that's and you've done the sami um uh consultation you've done the in the baseline service of sufficient uh uh environmental impact assessment Exactly. In fact, there's no uh, environmental impact assessment required. However, we've gone ahead and done it anyway, just to just to operate really at the at the best practice. So we've done uh, environmental surveys as well as archaeological surveys to demonstrate that you know our drilling access routes and where we want to work won't have a significant impact on on those sensitive areas. We've been really involved in uh, in engaging with the local Sami and community. We've just formed a, a community working group. So representatives of different parts of the community are going to be meeting with us on a regular basis to, to understand what we're doing and, and come along with us on the ride and develop that mutual understanding um, between us and the community. Um, and with the local indigenous uh, reindeer herders, we're, we're currently finalizing uh, what, what's called a process agreement, which would be a first of its kind in the region. And this is one of the, the key things that we're trying to pioneer is that, that, that good relationship that has been um, challenged, challenging in the past um, to get their consent to work there. So it's an ongoing conversation. Um, there's a huge amount of mutual learning and trust to be built up over time. This isn't a sort of uh, flick the switch and, uh, and it's done. Uh, you know, it's, it's a continuous process of, of building that trust and um, we think we're on the right track. Uh, we're doing all we can there. And, and in fact, it's, it's again, it's a part of the, the BHP idea as well, where we can lean on that expertise from their other projects um, with indigenous communities so that we can really um, operate in that way to, to the best standards. Good. Fabian, thank you very much for your time. It's been um, a really interesting uh, chance to catch up on the progress in the in the in the company um over the last six months the the, the bhp uh endorsement and the, the the way that they're approaching it is is really interesting and um hopefully it'll be very fruitful for the, in the in the long term and it um it's good to see that you've got uh, uh rona on board because that um uh, that permitting ability to to work on it does make such a difference to give you the operational flexibility to get news flow out on a regular basis irrespective of the geological potential which seems to be there so um yeah, absolutely no many thanks and, and you're right that endorsement from bhp um was a was a really uh, appreciated validation of what we're doing here um you know we're trying to build a, a a real business for the long term uh but great that we can get stuck into some exploration on on rona while uh, we wait for the rest of the pipeline to to, to come through well hopefully um You'll come back and um, it, it, at some stage, perhaps when you've got the geophysics done or when the mapping's done before you're about to drill in um, at Rona in Norway, that'd be great. Absolutely. Be happy to. Good. Thanks a lot. Many thanks.
拜。